Hey, Mama. I know getting meals on the table for your family can feel tough, especially finding weeknight-friendly meals that everyone in the family will love. There's a good chance it's why you're here, at least I hope so. Helping moms take the stress out of feeding their family is my biggest passion. It's why I share with you here, and it's why I created the Healthy Mama Cooking Club. If you've ever wished this podcast came with a weekly done-for-you dinner plan with a shopping list and meal prep tips, or maybe a recipe library with over 200 family-friendly recipes, cooking tips, how-tos, and hacks, well, it does, and it's all in the Healthy Mama Cooking Club over on Patreon. Starting at just $3 a month for access to our 200-plus recipe vault with printable PDF recipes, or $5 a month for weekly done-for-you dinner plans, plus the recipe vault and bonus podcasts every month, the Healthy Mama Cooking Club is the dinnertime solution you're looking for. Head to patreon.com slash healthymamachris or click the link in the show notes to try it out for a week free and join over 130 other busy mamas making weeknight meals work with the Healthy Mama Cooking Club. I can't wait to see you in there. All right, let's get on with the episode. Living a healthy, balanced life is no small feat, especially when you're a mom. With meals to cook, laundry to load, work to do, and humans to raise, it can be easy to feel like we're in an on-again, off-again relationship with healthy living. But it doesn't have to feel this way. I believe living a healthy life has become way too complicated. What we need isn't a new plan or program telling us what to eat or how to live. We need simple, uncomplicated routines and information that's going to help us live our best, most beautiful life without rules and restrictions. Join me, Kristen Dofniak, holistic health coach, certified intuitive eating counselor, and mama of two for weekly conversations on what it means to live a healthy, balanced life, uncomplicate eating, and simplify in every area of mom life. Hey friends, welcome back to the Healthy Balanced Mama podcast. I am back with Danielle Havens and we are here for part two of our pregnancy, birth and postpartum Q&A. We got some incredible questions from all of you and I am so excited to jump into part two. We had so much fun recording part one. So we're going to go ahead and jump into a question on pregnancy. We already started talking a little bit about birth, but we're going to take it back and we're going to talk a little bit on food during pregnancy, and then we'll talk about the postpartum. So Danielle, welcome. Do you want to take it away? Hi. Hi, Chris. Um, Yeah, I'd love to. So this question came in from some of your audience, which I'm really excited for your answer and to share mine. It's about food satisfaction during pregnancy. So the question is, how do you feel, how do you eat to feel satisfied during the different stages of pregnancy? Um, yeah. And what, what are your thoughts on that, Chris? Mm, Oh my gosh. Well, my first thought is that's a loaded question (laughs) because Mm -hmm. there are three stages of pregnancy, essentially the three trimesters that at least for me were very different. So we talked a lot about the first trimester in our last Q and a, and the first trimester I know for me, and I know for you, you sharing your own experience was full of a lot of nausea and fatigue and not feeling so great. And honestly, not really feeling food very much. So for me, it was a lot of crackers and plain toast and whatever I could stomach and not worrying too much about nutrients or satisfaction for me in the first trimester was just eating so that I wouldn't feel nauseated all day. 
So in terms of the first trimester, I think I, it, it was all about listening to my body. And I honestly, truly feel like pregnancy was the most intuitive time in my life when it comes to food. It just, it came, it came intuitive eating came so easily to me during pregnancy because there was no other option. It was like, that was all I could do was listen to my body and eat in the way that felt good. And that changed day to day. So for me in the first trimester, at least food satisfaction was literally just about what, what sounds good right now, right in this moment. And how can I satisfy that while also eating foods that feel good based on kind of what I know has felt good in the last few days or a few weeks or, or whatever it was. So that was kind of the, the first trimester for me. And then the second two trimesters, I think were a little bit different in terms of, I, I felt a lot better after like 14 ish weeks and I could eat a lot more foods during my pregnancy. Um, at least in the second trimester. And then in the third trimester, I started to lose my appetite a little bit, but I think it was more of listening to my body and listening to how much my body wanted to eat instead of just eating all of the things all of the time. I feel like sometimes we feel like pregnancy is a free pass to just eat, 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 eat. (laughs) And if you are hungry, it's so important to eat. Absolutely. Eat more if you're hungry. But I think a lot of it was just listening to okay, as I'm coming out of this phase of super nausea and fatigue and all that, what is tasting good now? And, and not too different than food satisfaction now in terms of, at least in terms of kind of the intuitive eating side of things, really what sounds good, what tastes good, what makes me feel good. And then what was also really important for me and something that I found really helpful to, um, kind of avoid nausea in the beginning, even though I didn't love it. And then to also just make me feel a little bit more satisfied throughout my pregnancy is just getting enough protein, which was much harder in the beginning. Um, when I was nauseous quite well, most of the day, essentially, (laughs) I was going to say quite often, most of the day. And I found that if I was getting enough protein, then it stabilized my blood sugar. And I felt like those blood sugar drops were not great for my nausea, even though all I wanted to eat was carbs. So trying to balance that out a little bit with some protein. And then I think throughout just making sure I was getting enough protein. So I didn't have too many of those like blood sugar highs and lows kind of helped with my fatigue Mm -hmm. and also just helped with like overall satisfaction. And I think that I carried that on into the third trimester as well, but I just continued to listen when I didn't want to necessarily eat as much, um, as my belly started to grow, I'm only five feet tall. So I feel like it was just like, so heavy, (laughs) like big watermelon in front of me. And so I definitely didn't want to eat as much, but I would eat small meals so that, and always eat when I'm hungry, but towards the end, honestly, I wasn't hungry very much. And so it was really just sort of making sure that I was getting a variety of nutrients based on what tasted good to me. And then also just trying to get in, you know, a balance of protein, carbs, and fat, not a balance in terms of like tracking or measuring or anything, but just going, okay, have I had some of these today? That, that was sort of, so from both sides of things, I think that's kind of what it was like for me. I'm curious to hear your thoughts. Well, it's two things that I can really relate to you on. Um, I'm five feet tall as well. So pregnancy in my body is probably similar to your experience. It does feel like Um, there's a watermelon strapped to your, the front half of you, um, in the third trimester, um, definitely an experience I have never had before. So, um, I had kind of 
a similar experience in the third trimester too of um, a little bit of a decrease in my appetite and feeling full sooner in my meal, but then like saving it and finishing it later. And then the other thing that I can really relate to you on is the blood sugar balancing. Cause as we're recording this today, I am 14 weeks pregnant and I can tell you from personal recent experience that when I don't have protein with my breakfast first thing in the morning, if I have some like carbs or simple carbohydrates, um, I get super nauseous like 30 minutes later. And when I have something with my simple carbs, like eggs, for example, or like a breakfast sausage or bacon has been something I've been eating recently, which I don't normally, but it really helps me avoid that spike (laughs) or that drop, I should say. And then having that big nausea um, feeling. So definitely can relate to you on those two things. And then while you were talking and I was listening to you, um, I agree with everything that you said. And I to think of pregnancy in the three different stages and that first trimester really being the most challenging as far as food satisfaction can feel. Um, And I think the biggest tip that I wanted to share was during that first trimester, which I've been telling myself recently is just knowing that it's not forever and knowing that I'm not going to feel like this for the rest of my life. It's going to slowly ease off And I will start to feel pieces of my normal quote, normal self coming back. And the foods that I have aversions to right now are not going to be forever. And although it can feel frustrating, like allow yourself to feel frustrated and express those emotions, but just like know that it's, it's, um, a common experience for many people who are pregnant and that it usually gradually shifts back to normal, your normal taste buds and, um, um, experience while eating. So no, it's not forever. That first, um, trimester can feel really long. Um, so if food satisfaction is challenging during that time, no, it's okay. And then the other thing that I wanted to mention in addition to what you shared was, um, I felt during my first pregnancy. So this is my second pregnancy, um, that I was really worried about, what I couldn't eat. So like what was on the list of unsafe foods. And sometimes I found myself really fixating on that. And, um, it's sort of like when you're, you are in that diet mentality and there's a list of like off, off, um, limits foods. And then you're like, totally, that's all that you want. But in pregnancy during that first visit, they'll give you a lot of paperwork. And sometimes they'll give you paperwork about nutrition during pregnancy and foods that can be, that have been studied or not studied because they don't do a lot of studies on pregnant women, but, um, have been linked to maybe some adverse effects in pregnancy. And so that was like a lot of information to take in as a new first time pregnant mom. And so I just wanted to share my experience of focusing on shifting your focus to the things that you can enjoy. So rather than thinking only about the things that you cannot have. So like the sushi and the lunch meat and the deli meat and things like that, like really allowing yourself to enjoy what is available to you and have the full sensory experience with those foods. And that will help increase your food satisfaction during pregnancy too. I love that. Pretty much. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) 
So. Oh my gosh. I think that's such awesome advice. Thank you so much for bringing that up. Cause I almost forgot about that. Cause it has been like four years since I've been pregnant. Well, yeah, about four years now since I've been pregnant. And so I'm remembering back to, especially during my first pregnancy as well, having all of that fear around like, Oh my goodness, what if I eat a soft cheese and I don't realize it's a soft cheese <laughs> and like, and it, it can be really easy to, or like, am I eating too much fish? <laughs> it's easy to right. fixate on it. So I think it's so important to focus on what you can have. And that is so much more satisfying. So I love <laughs> that. So good. Yeah. And I think this kind of ties into our next question about expectations in the postpartum period. So we just talked about food satisfaction during the three different trimesters. And now we're moving on to maybe what we call the fourth trimester, the postpartum period. So what are your tips on lowering expectations for this postpartum period of time? Mm, I think, uh, for me, this is me giving advice to, or the advice I wish that I, somebody had given me or like giving advice to my past self, because I think I had a lot of expectations for myself and how I would recover and the things that I would do in the postpartum period or in the early postpartum period after my first daughter. And then I think that I, after having that experience and my recovery with, I think we're going to talk in the next question about postpartum healing, but my recovery with both of my pregnancies was very different. Um, I had a, a really difficult labor and delivery with my first pregnancy. And so my recovery took a lot longer than I thought it was going to. And there are actually parts of my recovery that took months and months to actually start to feel better. And so that was really difficult. I thought that I would be able to start like working out at, I don't know, four or six weeks postpartum. And I was definitely not ready for that. I was barely ready for walks. I saw women who were like, you know, going on walks a few days after baby. And we did Oh gosh, it was a couple days after I, it wasn't a couple days. It must've been like three or four days because we actually ended up staying in the hospital a few extra days because my daughter came earlier than expected. And we went to Target and Target isn't even in Canada anymore. We were in Canada at the time and we went to Target because that's exciting. And we walked around and I remember walking so slow. And I think we walked for like 10 or 15 minutes and I was like, okay, I'm done. <laughs> and oh, yeah. so I think I had these like like huge expectations of like being able to move around, being able to cook the foods. I had prepped foods ahead of time and put them in the freezer. Uh, we'll talk about that when it comes to, to postpartum healing too. But I had like all of these expectations and it just, it didn't work out the way I had hoped. And I think that I tried to push myself too hard too early because I wanted to live up to these expectations I had for myself. And it just didn't work out well. I ended up with more pain and soreness. And I was actually in a, um, personally, I was struggling with high blood pressure during pregnancy, which actually, um, and then also during birth. And I thought it was just going to like kind of I don't know, just magically fix itself after pregnancy. Um, like oftentimes gestational diabetes does for me, thankfully gestational diabetes wise, I was fine after pregnancy. Um, my blood sugar stabilized pretty quickly, but my blood pressure didn't. And I, there's no way of me knowing why, 
I mean, it could have just been my, my body needing to needing time to recover. Uh, but also there was a lot of stress and there's, I mean, there's always stress in the postpartum period because we just had a baby. So there's physiological stress and then there's mental stress of having a tiny baby to take care of. But, uh, yeah, my blood pressure took like two months to actually get back down to a normal range. And I was like, I thought I was going to be back to normal in like a few days. And so I had a lot of expectations the first time around. And I think the second time around, I tried to reduce those expectations a little bit. And so my tips are, I do think that setting yourself up ahead of time is really, really helpful. And so doing whatever you can to give yourself the easiest postpartum experience possible. And that doesn't mean you need to kill yourself at the end of your pregnancy, but how can you set up? So for myself, I love to cook. I'm a chef. And so I actually set up meals for myself and put them in my freezer, though I expected myself to make them in the first postpartum period. The second time around, I talked to my husband and I was like, can you, if I give you detailed instructions, can you like pop this in the oven? Can you defrost this and cook this up for us? And he was like, yeah, absolutely. He's not a cook, but he can definitely heat things up. He's more than capable of doing that. But if you're not a chef and you don't want to prep for yourself ahead of time, then just buying frozen meals, something that's easy or doing something like we also did like a HelloFresh type. We used a different service. I can't remember what it was called. We also tried HelloFresh where all of the ingredients came and my husband had instructions and he cooked for us. And so like not having expectations that I was going to cook, not having expectations that I was going to do laundry. I asked him for a ton of help. And I think I felt the first time around, like I should be doing it all because I'm like, well, I'm the mom and now this is my role. And so I should be able to nurse this baby and pop this dinner in the oven and go do the laundry like this, like, I don't know, 1940s housewife. And uh, that was not, that was not what I could do. <laughs> and then finish it all off with a nice hour long walk. Right. So that was not what I could do. And so I think that, you know, just really, really talking to my husband and asking him for a ton of help and, and then anyone else, if you don't have a partner that's who's around or or if you might have some a parent who might come and stay with you for a while. I know my mom came and stayed when we lived in Toronto for about, um, I think it was like a week and a half or so and helped out a little bit, accepting help. If it's at all possible, if you have somebody around to help you accepting the help, set yourself up ahead of time. And just, I think just taking away as many expectations of yourself as possible um, because you have no idea. How, what the recovery is going to mm -hmm. be like. And honestly, I think that you're the mom's only, and this is my personal opinion, but especially in those few weeks in the postpartum period, your only job should be to take care of that sweet little baby, nurse that baby if you're nursing and just rest so you can recover yourself. So, I mean, that's, that's what yeah. I think. So what do you think about lowering expectations in postpartum? Yeah, I think it's similar to what we discussed in the last episode about like preparing for birth and having and like th my, our thoughts around a birth plan. And um, it's kind of a, applicable to postpartum too. Um, being really open minded to whatever happens, because even going into it, you may not know if you'll be having a vaginal birth or a cesarean birth. And those, um, are very different recoveries and very different, look very different postpartum. Um, so just having an open mind that anything could happen and really 
um, getting clear on what your values are and like prioritizing those. So for me in the postpartum period, I had a similar experience last time around. However, I think my experience may be a little different because I was recovering in from the birth in COVID. So in during the pandemic. Um, so I feel like expectations of myself that I maybe would have put more pressure on such as like getting out and about doing errands, all of that. They weren't really an option for me at that time. So I felt a lot less pressure around doing those things. And I think that was really helpful mentally. Um, so I would love to just give the advice of be open to any plan and have your values at front and center. So for example, my values are like my health and my, my family are two of my top values. And so I just kept reminding myself of like, is everyone healthy? Is everyone together? Like, is everyone safe? And like, that really helped me get through some of those times and lower some of the expectations because I, I could uh, validate that those needs were being met and that it was okay. And then the other thing I wanted to share was um, taking one day at a time. A lot of times I think we can get ahead of ourselves and really in those early days of motherhood. And I, I just recently learned about this term in the last couple of months, and I hope I say it right, but it's called matrescence and it's similar to adolescence. And it's a period of becoming, it's a period of transition in your life of going from um, being pregnant to that to then becoming a mother. And it's similar to adolescence in that there's a lot of changes, a lot of hormones going on um, in your body and just like kind of an identity change. And so that matrescence takes place in this postpartum postpartum period too, for many people um, becoming a mother. And so just knowing that that will happen for you as well. And there are some great resources online if you want to look that up. Um, and then I just would say that my, I remember very vividly my first walk with my baby too, and it was very slow. It was not what I pictured of like a nice leisurely walk in the stroller with everyone happy. It was slow. It was very short and, but it was, it was just as magical, even though it looked different than what I thought it would. Um, so I think the important thing that contributed to that was um, being in the present moment and like really trying to not get ahead of myself. Like I said, taking one day at a time. Um, and it's really hard not to have high expectations for yourself and your baby and your family. And it's really hard when things don't go your way. Um, so just giving yourself grace when it doesn't and um, leaning on your support for sure. Is there anything that we forgot about lowering expectations in the postpartum period? I love everything that you added, especially taking it one day at a time, because I am someone who very much gets ahead of myself. And so I think that that is so important and such incredible advice. And I think the only thing that I have to add and that I didn't add before is that things can wait. I love how you touched on what's important and your values. And I think that would be something that would be incredible to just reflect on before 
you know, well before you were entering into that postpartum period and going, okay, what do I value? What is most important to me during this period of time? And well, in my life as a whole, but also during this period of time. And so you can just focus one day at a time on, is my family okay? Am I giving myself enough time to rest, to heal, whatever it is, whatever your values are and things can wait, right? So the laundry can wait, it can pile up a little bit and the, the dishes can wait. They can pile up a little bit. It's just one season of your life and it's okay to take extra time to rest and to take extra time just to snuggle that baby. And I think also in terms of expectations, I shared a lot about how I talked to my husband and asked him for a bunch of help when it came to things like the laundry and the the cooking and things like that, which he was incredible helping with too. But I think having that conversation and also not expecting too much of the people around you too, and finding ways that you can make things easier. So if in that postpartum period, you're having a really rough recovery, maybe you had planned a vaginal birth and you end up with a cesarean and you can't really walk around for several weeks. And maybe your husband has to go to work early, or maybe your military wife and your husband is deploying the next week or whatever it ends up being. If you, if you are in that situation or you're in any situation, you can make things easier. You can get somebody to do your laundry for you. So you can pay for that. It's not that expensive and you could, and and, you know, maybe that's not available to everyone, but it is an option, right? You can have your groceries delivered to your house. There are so many different options, I think, just to let things go and make it as easy as possible. Yeah, I 100% agree with that. And grocery delivery, I'm all about that. Or at least even like pickup delivery, like when you go to the grocery store and, get, and grab it, that's awesome. Yes. So much time saved. Um, okay, so we already already are talking about postpartum, but the next question is about best tips for postpartum with, in regards to healing and rest. Um, so what are your, your best tips for that? Hmm. So I think I focused a lot on postpartum healing, um, with my first pregnancy because I was honestly like really, really terrified of the postpartum healing process. (laughs) And, uh, so I did a lot of research ahead of time. And although I think I, I definitely, I definitely, like I said, I did have quite a long postpartum healing with my first pregnancy. I am glad that I prepared ahead of time. And so some of the things that I did, so, the first time around that were really helpful that I carried on to the second time around when it comes to, so I had a vaginal birth. So this, these apply to, I don't have a, a ton of advice for, I don't really have any advice for a cesarean birth, unfortunately, cause I haven't experienced that, but, um, well, actually, I guess I do have one piece of advice for that. I'll share that after. Um, but in terms of, in terms of a vaginal birth, a couple of the things that really helped me with healing were, um, ahead of time, I made these, um, padsicles. Have you heard of these? So yes, were- I totally did that too. <laughs> oh my gosh. They they're a little bit uncomfortable at first. Cause you're like, Whoa, that's cold. But when things are swollen down there, you essentially take a pad, like a sanitary pad. And I actually put one like on top of the other kind of pads they give you. Cause you know, there's, there's other types of things that are happening down there in the postpartum period. <laughs> um, but I soaked them in 
witch hazel and a, I think it was a mixture of witch hazel and water. And I, there's recipes for this all over. I found it on Pinterest and witch hazel and water and the witch hazel also helps with soothing. And I also did like a drop of lavender essential oil, totally optional. Um, but I did that and I froze and you freeze the pad in the freezer and then you kind of put it on there. And I mean, I didn't put it on for super long, but it definitely helped with the soothing and that Mm -hmm. helped a lot. And so I really enjoyed that in the postpartum, um, for that type of healing. And then I also really love the, and I don't even know, you know, I should have looked up if they still make these things, (laughs) but the (laughs) earth mama angel baby brand specifically, I know there's also another brand. I think it's called, um, mother love. And they have similar products. There's like a cream that I put on and that was Mm -hmm. really helpful too. Like every time I went to use that, like for any of you who have not given birth before, they give you a fancy squirt bottle to clean yourself Mm -hmm. after using the bathroom after birth. And oh my goodness, if you can get two of those, get them because it, I have two bathrooms and you want one in each bathroom. Cause that was, that was a game changer. It was so good. And so I use that and, and then I would put like this, like sort of cream, not after like the first couple of days, but after a few days, that was really helpful. And there was also a spray, like a cooling spray that I used. And there are a few brands that have these, but those were like the three things in terms of like the actual physical healing down there was getting some sort of a cream that will help with soothing the padsicles, especially those first like couple of days um, when things are like really, really swollen and uncomfortable. And then like a little bit later on, I used this cooling spray, which also, I believe it was like and I didn't make it myself or anything, but it was something that I purchased. And if there, I'm going to find all of these things and we'll put links in the show notes if you guys are yeah. interested. Um, and, uh, but I'm sure there's several brands. So we'll put a couple of different links, but it was basically like peppermint, um, very, very light amount of peppermint. Cause you are putting it down there. And I think it was also like witch hazel water, that kind of thing. Um, and they are like, you know, all natural for, for anyone who, you know, that's one of your values as well. So in terms of like the actual physical healing, those were kind of the top things that were, um, helpful for me. And well, in terms of the physical, physical, like actual, like post-birth healing, but I think my absolute best and number one tip and what I, I definitely didn't do as much the first time. And I should have done more of, um, and the second time I definitely embraced more was just rest, just allowing your yourself to rest as much as possible. Birth is a crazy event. It's a crazy stress to your body, no matter how you give birth. And so just allowing yourself to rest as much as possible. Um, you know, if everyone says nap when the baby naps, if you're a napper, um, and by resting, I mean, like, just, it's okay to sit and to just sit and just to snuggle that baby and just to give your body that time to rest. And like I said, I think I went into like exercise. I tried to go in too quickly the first time around and it was not good. It did not go great. And, uh, I definitely, um, my body definitely didn't respond well to that. And so just giving yourself the amount of rest that your body needs in the postpartum, I think is so important. And, um, and my last tip is, is eating too, is making, making sure. And I know I I always go back to the food, right. But like making sure you're eating on a regular basis and whether that is something that I did both times. And it was really helpful was just have a basket with snacks next to my bed, which is, or wherever you typically Mm -hmm. um, nurse or feed your baby. So I had it next to my bed because that's typically where that's basically where I spent like the first three weeks postpartum. Mm -hmm. And I just had like granola bars and, um, like energy balls 
there are these ones from that I get at Trader Joe's that are called like froze balls. They're really good. I'm, I like making my own homemade <laughs> balls, but these are, these are, you can buy them at the store too. And they're delicious. Um, and just like, like, um, I love a, a nut mix. I can't remember which one I, I get one from Trader Joe's as well, but it's nuts and chocolate because you need a little bit of chocolate too, at least I think, mm-hmm. and, uh, and just yes. having snacks too. So if you can't have a full meal, just making sure you're, you're nourishing yourself in the postpartum. Um, because yeah. And I was, and listening to your body again, going back to satisfaction, I craved both times around. I kid you not the only thing I wanted in the postpartum at least the first few weeks was soup and sourdough bread with butter, like slather on all the butter. That's all I wanted. And so like three meals a day, probably not three meals. I think I would eat something for breakfast. Um, Oh, I would eat something for breakfast, but I would eat something different, but like lunch and dinner, that's all I wanted. And so my husband actually went out the first time my first postpartum. And I had made a bunch of soups and things like that ahead of time. And we went through them so quickly because that's all I wanted. So he like went out to Whole Foods and got some soups for me and sourdough and and he would make those up for me. And also super easy to make yourself if you don't have someone else home too, because it's just heat and serve. So um, yeah. So those are, those are my, you know, in terms of the physical and then I mean, everyone says rest, but seriously, just rest, rest. (laughs) Yes. And it's so hard sometimes to just rest. (laughs) It really Um, is. Speaking of rest, I bought myself, I splurged postpartum and I bought myself, I gave birth last, my first, to my first in the summer. And I bought a short, really soft robe And I would often just like stay in my PJs in my robe and just have PJ days. And I would like still shower and get refreshed and brush my hair, but just having lounge clothes helped me relax a little bit more and not feel like I needed to get all done up for the day. Um, so that was something that helped me rest a little bit. The other thing that really helped me rest was getting an eye mask because before I became a mom, I was not the greatest napper and sleeping during the daytime or going to bed early when it was still light out was challenging. So I got like a $10 eye mask on Amazon and I used it a lot and still do now. Um, so those are kind of along the lines of rest. Um, and then I also agree with you. If you can snag two of those squirt bottles or orders, I know freedom mom is a brand that makes one you can purchase on your own. Um, so if you can't, grab one from the hospital, like maybe pick up an extra one and have, I actually made myself a little basket for each of the bathrooms in my house. Um, because during the day I would sometimes go down, spend more of my time downstairs. And then at night I would be upstairs using the restroom. So it was helpful to have like the supplies I needed in each bathroom, or at least a basket that you can carry between the two. Um, and then I cannot emphasize the food piece enough. I think the first time around, I underestimated how fatigued I would feel. And um, my husband and I were both able to stay home for the first two weeks with the baby. Um, So we, in our heads, were like, well, we'll both be home. One of us will be able to cook. Um, And yes, we were able to physically cook, but we just mentally were so exhausted that we didn't really want to cook. Um, so I, this time around will be preparing more foods ahead of time and to do that and make it a little more 
or a little less overwhelming for myself. What I'm going to do is I think typically you can tell me if I'm wrong, Chris, but I think typically like make ahead meals are about six months good for about six months in the freezer. Mm-hmm. Okay. She's nodding her head. Yes. So, <laughs> um, I got the go the green light for that. Um, so I'm about six months out now. So as you enter your second trimester, what I'm going to start doing, and I already started doing was doubling my recipes that I'm making. So this week I made a like Swiss chard edamame carrot fried rice, and I doubled the recipe. So I had two pans going, we ate one for dinner, and then I froze one and labeled it and put it in the freezer. So I'm going to start doing that now and hopefully make, um, have a stock for when I, mm-hmm. I have the baby. Um, and then the other thing is like, if you can't do that, if you can't prep ahead of time, maybe looking into like a meal delivery service, like you said, or by going to Trader Joe's and going into the freezer section and just like having so much fun exploring the different freezer meals, because they have a lot of cool stuff there. <laughs> so definitely emphasize the food that is just really um, helpful not only to save time and energy, but also in healing your body. Um, I even had a friend who had a meal train set up for her baby shower. That was like Mm -hmm. their gift. And I thought that was a great idea. Um, And then one piece of advice that I wanted to end with for this postpartum period was some, I, I wish I could remember who shared this with me um, so I could give them credit, but there's this quote that I, I kept um, bringing up in my head and it was called, it's lead with what you need. So really articulating what you need and making that forefront of your communication rather than focusing on like what we typically in autopilot go to say like, oh yeah, we're doing great. Like baby's great or, um, sugarcoating things is what I'm trying to say. So really leading and articulating and communicating with what you need when people ask you how you're doing and, and what they can do to help. Um, and if you think of things throughout the day that people could maybe help you with, maybe jot them down on a piece of paper, stick it on your fridge. And if you are giving birth during the pandemic, which I am, will be now twice, (laughs) um, this also applies to you. And I just want that message to be reached to moms who maybe are feeling isolated or like there isn't a lot of help available for them. Like, where is this village that people keep talking about? Um, know that there are resources out there for you and, um, it can be really helpful to like reach out to local mom groups or take, um, and there's online virtual support groups or meeting places for people. So it is possible in, um, the virtual space as well. And people can help with things like delivering your food or delivering your groceries or taking your, picking up your laundry and bringing it out and then bringing it back and things like that. It doesn't all need to be hands-on for help and help is really important in healing. Yeah. That's pretty much what I had to say about postpartum. (laughs) Yes. Yeah. Oh, I'm so glad you brought up support too, because it's not the physical healing, but I think it can be so helpful to have a group of 
moms around you and I mean family members and friends in terms of the the other you know the other things the the laundry and the food and the errands and things like that but in terms of having other moms to be able to even just talk to in that postpartum period I know that we're in a weird time in the world right now and may or may not be able to connect with people in person. I know that some of the things that I really enjoyed when I was in my, my first postpartum and my second postpartum, I joined a, um, so I, I breastfed, so like a breastfeeding support group. And that Mm -hmm. was really helpful to, there was a lactation consultant that kind of helped with any questions you had. And then we also just had time, like where the babies would just kind of hang out and the moms could chat too, but there are also virtual, like you just said, there are virtual options like that too. And so I think having support, the emotional support afterwards too. somebody to talk to who's might not, who might have experienced things that you're experiencing can be really helpful, whether it's a professional, if you're really concerned about things, or it's just a friend who you're like, did this happen with you? And they're like, oh yeah, that happened with me too. And you're like, oh, okay, that's good. I'm normal. Mm-hmm. I think that support piece can be really huge as well. Yeah. You, especially you want to text someone in the middle of the night, like, is this normal? (laughs) And just (laughs) have that reassurance. It's just, it's nice to have, um, another mom or parent figure that you can talk to kind of in the same stage of your life. And, um, luckily I had that. I had a friend from, we actually were friends from kindergarten. We had babies at around the same time. Um, but I know that people in my life who didn't have that opportunity of knowing someone who was pregnant already, they met either in like their birth class or they met at a yoga class or um, something like that or an online group. So um, it's it can be scary to put yourself out there and make new friends, but it's it's really important to have mom friends too. <laughs> yeah. And speaking of advice, and mom friends. This brings us to our last question um, on the topic of resources. So what are some of your favorite pregnancy apps, resources, books, podcasts, and things like that, that you would tell to a friend? Oh my gosh. Well, I have, I'm a book person. So I have my, like, you can probably hear, I have my handful of books here. (laughs) Um, Actually it's, it's larger than a handful of books here. So books were my number one. And I started reading books kind of obviously, um, well, I say, obviously I was going to say before the postpartum, obviously before the postpartum, before my pregnancy, just to kind of prepare me a little bit. Um, and so I think books were my, were my first resource, but then I found, I found some podcasts and some apps and you know what I didn't, I did not look up the name of my favorite pregnancy podcast, but, oh my gosh, I'm trying to remember it now. I should look it up. <laughs> Can you visualize the cover? Yes, it's like a it's like a cute cartoon pregnant lady and she and I that was my favorite I think it was like pregnancy pals or something like that. And, um, I'll have to find it. And Oh, preggy pals. I was right. Preggy pals. So I don't even know if it's still around. Is it? It is. Oh, I So that one, I haven't heard of that one. Yeah. I really, I really enjoyed that one when I was pregnant with, and even with my, even with my first daughter. So that was way back eight years ago. Um, the mommy labor nurse podcast is another good Mm -hmm. one. 
And um, those were the, those are the podcasts that I listened to and another podcast that I really love. And actually I've had both of these, and this is not a pregnancy specific podcast, but I think they both talk about their pregnancy experiences in a really beautiful way. And actually one of the hosts is pregnant now uh, is the modern mama's podcast. So I've had Jess and Laura both on the podcast as well. And they've both talked about their pregnancy and birth and postpartum experiences on that podcast as well. So even though it's not pregnancy specific, if you go back to the early episodes too, Laura was pregnant and they kind of talked about, you know, her during her pregnancy. And sometimes it's just great to have like the real life mom experience as well. Yeah. And I think in the, the Preggy Pals podcast is cool because they, they have experts on, but then they also have like groups of moms that talk as well. So those are some of my favorite, um, podcasts. The app I used was, I'm going to have to look this one up as well. I should have been more prepared in terms of apps and <laughs> podcasts, but it was like a, a weekly podcast, a weekly podcast, a weekly app. And it just basically mm-hmm. showed me like the size of the baby and compared yeah. to a fruit, which was so fun. Um, and just kind of gave me a couple little like tips and, and um, I guess this is what's happening in your body. And it's normal if you feel this way. And there are a ton of apps, I think like that. And I think just choosing one, it can be really overwhelming to have a whole bunch. I think just choosing one and having something that kind of helps you. (laughs) Yeah. So right now I'm pulling mine up, but the one I use and I like, and I've tried a few is called the bump. Oh, that (laughs) was the, that was it. Yep. That was the one I used. Okay. (laughs) My baby is as big as a lemon right now. So that's a great app to check out. (laughs) (laughs) That was definitely the one I used. So yeah, it's like a blue app. Mm-hmm. Yes. Okay. All right. <laughs> like, oh my gosh, it was so long ago. So, so those are my podcast, the podcast that I really enjoyed and the, um, and I was actually pregnant at the same time as Laura and the modern mama's podcast. So that was kind of fun too. That was the first time around or sorry, the second time, her first time, my second time around. And so, so those are fun. And, um, in terms of books, because like I said, I have a huge stack of books next to me. Um, one that I, loved kind of in the very, you know, actually it's interesting because a lot of these are really birth books. The only, I had a kind of a basic week to week pregnancy book that I read the first time around. Um, and I, I can't, I don't, didn't keep it. So it was okay, but it wasn't something that I loved. I did like having kind of a week to week pregnancy book during my pregnancy the first time around, but obviously it wasn't something that I felt like keeping. But the book that I did really enjoy the second time around was the Mama Natural Week uh, week by Week Guide to Pregnancy Ooh. and Childbirth. So she has a YouTube channel. Um, her name is Genevieve Howland. She has a YouTube channel. Her YouTube channel is super cool. She actually has videos like on each week of pregnancy. She also um, shares her pregnancy. She has, she's had three babies week to week. So you can actually see her own experience as well. And so she's got like really great YouTube videos and she came out with a week by week guide to pregnancy and childbirth with, I believe it was with a midwife. And, and so, yes, there's a a midwife that she did it with as well. So there's that expert advice too. And so I really loved it. I thought it was, it had some really good advice. And so that, that was like my favorite one during my second pregnancy. Um, 
And then I read a lot of books on birth because I didn't know what to expect. And I wanted to have kind of a, a good, I wanted to feel equipped for birth. And even though birth, especially the first time, actually, no, both times around didn't go at all how I expected. It did help me to feel a little bit more equipped. So some of my favorite um, birth books are The Birth Partner. That was really helpful. I read it. And then um, my husband also read it. And so it was helpful for just kind of giving him, he also came to like a childbirth class with me, but giving him kind of like a general overview of how he could support me during labor and delivery. Um, and I have not yet recorded my birth stories podcast with my husband, but we were chatting the other night, just sitting on the couch, talking about my birth stories and, <laughs> oh, his recount of my birth stories is pretty hilarious. So I can't wait to share that with <laughs> all of you might not have gone as the book described, but that was really helpful. Um, I also really like Ina Mae Gaskin's Guide to Childbirth. She is a midwife yeah. and she's she's a little bit of a hippie. Um, I'm not saying that in a mm -hmm. negative way, but she definitely mm -hmm. has a like child, like a, um, I don't even know how to put this, like a more kind of natural, holistic kind of um, approach to childbirth. I don't know if that's the best way to put it. And view on it. And yeah. view, yes. But I, I did find it helpful because I was planning a vaginal birth uh, with my first pregnancy. Actually, with my second pregnancy, I started planning for a cesarean because my daughter was, uh, my second daughter was breech up until 36 weeks and we almost scheduled oh. a C-section. And thankfully she flipped like right at the, at the end. Um, but she just has some some crazy tips in this book, like, um, horse lips, <laughs> which is a technique mm -hmm. that you can use like during, but I can't do it now. Cause it'll annoy all of you. Uh, it'll <laughs> burn your eardrums, but essentially you like blow through your mouth, like a horse. And it's a way to help to like loosen things up when you're in labor. And that was actually something that I used. And so I really liked that book. Um, and then, um, in terms of like, pregnancy nutrition and, and that, so there's really only one book that I really enjoy. Um, and I've had her on the podcast, Lily Nichols. She has a book called real food for pregnancy. Um, and when we say real food, the foundation is just whole foods and she's very non-dogmatic about it. And she also has a book, um, on gestational diabetes. And that is the book that helped me to avoid gestational diabetes the second time around. She kind of teaches you how to balance your blood sugar um, in, in a way that you can still you know, enjoy the foods that you like, but kind of, she talks about the science of blood sugar balance and how to kind of manage that while you're also pregnant and you might be nauseous. And, and so those were really helpful for me as well. And the last book, which is not pregnancy or birth related. I told you I had a lot of books, <laughs> um, postpartum. And this came out like just before I want to say my second daughter was born, but it's the first 40 days. And this is just like, it's a really, really beautiful book on kind of like traditional healing when it comes to postpartum. And, um, and, you know, it's not for everyone. They talk about everything from like different, they, um, like soups and things like that, that you can do to help with like postpartum healing. But I just thought it was a very, it was a really cool book on kind of nourishing yourself in, in the postpartum period. So I think that is my big stack of favorite resources. <laughs> oh, I love all of your recommendations and some of them 
overlap with mine. And I'm so fangirling about the um, Lily Nichols because I love her books as well. And I'm so excited that you got to talk to her on this podcast. I'm going to have to go re-listen to that episode. Um, But in addition to what you already mentioned, uh, and again, we'll probably link all these in the show notes, um, a podcast that I really enjoy that's pretty straightforward um, is called Evidence-Based Birth. It's also a website, and this is run by um, a nurse who presents research on different topics, such as um, if doing strenuous activity before labor or before um, your due date will induce labor like or something random like that. She'll focus on one specific topic or hypothesis and present all of the different studies and evidence and then allow you to form your own um, conclusions from it. Um, and it's pretty like non-judgmental, welcoming. And I find it, it's like short and to the point. And I thought it was really helpful in answering some of my questions. Um, And then this sounds similar to another book that you mentioned, but it just came out last year and it's called The Motherly's Guide to Becoming Mama. And it's a book that walks you through um, pregnancy. It's published by um, one of the founders of the website Motherly, and she teaches birth classes and postpartum classes. Um, And it does have a virtual component too. Um, and it's just a really lovely book that includes not only information about like the baby and your body and changing like the scientific stuff, but also self-care, um, tips as well, which I, it's very holistic and I felt, um, evidence-based as well. Um, and then I also, I already mentioned the bump app, which is really fun to look at every week and get those little updates on the size of your fruit. (laughs) fruit baby. Um, and then another thing that we haven't really talked about a lot, which I thought was a good resource during pregnancy in regards to like movement, moving your body safely and fitness. Um, there's an account on Instagram called expecting and empowered. And these are physical therapists. They're amazing women who provide really, um, helpful educational tips on safe movement and exercise during pregnancy, postpartum, and they cover things from diastasis to hernias, and they give really good demonstrations on their um, Instagram accounts. So I enjoy following them as well. And those are the things I think I would add. Yeah. Oh, I love those because you are way closer to (laughs) your pregnancy (laughs) than I am. And I'm like, are these things still around? Is this podcast still on? Mm -hmm. Is this, I was trying to look up. I I love that you brought up fitness too, because I think it can be hard to kind of similar to the do's and don'ts when it comes to food. I think it can be really easy to feel overwhelmed about what you can do and what you can't do when you're pregnant, especially in the different trimesters, you know, it's supposed to lie on your back for certain exercises, things like that. And, mm-hmm. and having workouts that are from professionals who are actually trained in prenatal workouts and is, can be really helpful. I used, and I was trying to look it up and I am not sure if it's still around, but I used a program it's like a Pilates based program. And Mm -hmm. 
and the, the creator was, is trained in, you know, prenatal fitness. And so she kind of gave different modifications for different trimesters. And so, you know, at a certain point, don't lie on your back or a certain point, it can be, it can kind of strain your ab muscles to do this or that. So here are some alternatives you can do instead. And I think that can be a really helpful, something really helpful as well. And so I really like that you, you gave that app and there are um, a few different, I'm sure there's quite a few different fitness companies mm-hmm. out there too, that do those prenatal workouts too. And just leaning into what feels good for you for that. I know we talked a little bit about in the different in pregnancy and the last episode for me, I thought I was going to be like that pregnant runner and it was going to be so great. And that did not last very long. And so finding something that did feel good and that did actually, um, support me was really, was really good too. So I'm glad that you brought that up. So I wrote down all of those. So we will do a whole roundup in the show notes. We'll have a whole blog post with all of the, um, you know, all of the resources that both of us shared as well. So, oh my gosh, this has been so good, Danielle. We have, I think we've given some, I think we've given some pretty good, some pretty good advice to the ladies listening. Hopefully they found it helpful. (laughs) Yeah, this has been great to talk about and I'm sure we'll remember things that we didn't include, but I, I would appreciate listening to this, um, back in time. So if I could go back, I would love to listen to these episodes and I hope that it's helpful and supportive to the people out there listening today. Yes. Oh my gosh. Absolutely. So in our next Q and a, we won't share what the next Q and a is going to be about, but we definitely want a baby update in the next Q and a, how you're feeling. (laughs) Hopefully you'll start to feel, you know, better and better as our Q and a's go on. I can't wait to hear. (laughs) Yeah. I I would love that. Yes. Oh, well, thank you again so much, Danielle, for being here. I'm just so grateful to have you as my Q&A co-host. I'm loving these so much and I can't wait to continue them. Um, So to all our listeners, thank you so much for listening. Um, Be sure to join us in the Healthy Balanced Mamas Facebook community. We are trying to just create more community there. So maybe you can interact with some other mamas who might be pregnant or in the postpartum period as well. And we want to connect with you as well. So definitely let us know if you are loving these episodes and be sure to check out both of our Instagram accounts, which we will link in the show notes as well for when we do our next call for questions for the next Q and a awesome. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the healthy balance mama podcast. If you loved it, would you take a screenshot and share it with a friend over on Instagram and tag me in it? It helps me so much to know what you love and are taking away from each episode. If you really loved it, would you hop over to iTunes and give me a star rating and review? Every rating and review helps this podcast be seen and heard by more women who need to hear the message of balance and wellness without deprivation. It's the best free gift you could give me. And as a reminder, the information and opinions on this podcast are meant for education and inspiration only and are not to be taken as medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Please consult with a trusted practitioner before making any changes. Have a beautiful day, friend, and I'll see you in the next episode.